Good morning, everybody. It's great to be back with you. Um, last week, Marshall and I were up in Maine, and we had never been before, and we were hopeful to see a moose um, or meese, and we, we didn't see any, but we saw a moose crossing sign, which I guess was cool. Um, so, but great to be with you again today. Uh, let's... Let's pray, and then we'll read God's word and uh, look at Psalm 1. So, Heavenly Father, um, just as Andrew said, Lord, this whole service is a presentation of the gospel. Um, And so we are thankful to you, O God, that we can come to you in prayer. We can confess our sins. We can rejoice in the hope that we have in Jesus. And um, we thank you for your word given to us that provides direction, Lord, and guidance for our lives, that we would live in a way that pleases you but is flourishing for us and for those around us. So bless now um, this reading of your word and the exposition of it, Lord. We pray for your glory and our joy in Christ Jesus. Amen. So Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. All right. So, friends, um, we're starting today, which I think through the rest of July is going to be in the Psalms. And um, as I was thinking about how this was going to look, uh, maybe just pick out a couple and spend a, a bit of time um, in two or three Psalms. But I thought um, to follow the counsel of Julie Andrews and the sound of music, let's start at the beginning. It's a very good place to start. And so. Let's do Psalm 1. Now, some of us here are very black and white, um, very binary. We live in the world of the Proverbs. You do this, and then this is the result. There's a sort of formula for life. And I think some of us, others of us, dwell maybe in more in the land of mystery and nuance. And, And we camp out in Job, where, you know, things don't work sometimes according to the general wisdom of the Proverbs. And I think Oftentimes, we have one foot in Proverbs and one foot in Job, and when we're there, we're straddling the Psalms, and and it's a rather funny name, Psalms, Um, and it comes from this Greek term, which means to pluck, to pluck, and it's understood to uh, mean songs that are accompanied by stringed instruments, implying that this is a song book this collection of psalms. And the actual name of where we're at today in Psalm 1 is is called telahim. And that's a Hebrew word meaning praises. So uh, there are plenty of these psalms collected here in where we we are called to praise God. We also have in the psalms tefillot. And that's another Hebrew word meaning prayer. So this is a book, a collection of praises and prayers. 
And the substance of the Psalms is Israel's faithful speech addressed to God in worship and in prayer. And so we too, we sing these words of David and Korah and Asaph and Moses. We sing and pray these words and um, we appropriate them for ourselves in speaking to God. Now, Martin Luther has pointed out that the Psalms are also the voice of the gospel to us. It's God's good word addressed to us, to his faithful people. And so we would say that the Psalms are dialogical. It's a conversation with God. He speaks to us. We speak his word right back to him. And we encounter in these Psalms many forms. There are hymns of praise. Again, there's hymns of thanksgiving. There's laments, Psalms of trust, royal Psalms, wisdom Psalms, historical Psalms. And today, um, what we have in Psalm 1 is really setting the tone for everything that comes after. This first psalm announces that the primary agenda for our worship, for our lives, is obedience. And we can see this in other places in wisdom literature in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, the end of the matter, all has been heard, obey God and follow his commandments, for this is the whole duty of humanity. And in Psalm 1, we have a very simple distinction as we're called to live our lives in accordance with God's purposes, with his will, with his ordering of creation. And so this simple distinction of there's a way of the righteous and there is a a way of wickedness. And that sounds very binary. And and I think some of us, if we live more in the mysticism, we we struggle with this. It's it's too simple. I kind of like the nuance. Well, later, other Psalms, we'll we'll see that, yeah, there's a lot of times where we we do have to sit in the, the nuance and mystery of life. So, two ways. Two ways. And this Psalm makes no apologies even as it offers no neutral ground. There's good and bad, right and wrong, Um, innocence and guilt. There are those who conform to God's purposes and those who disrupt the order. And subsequently, there is blessedness. We could even say good fortune or happiness, and there's condemnation. So so the question that we read as we, we read through the Psalms, which, which way will I go? What type of man, what type of woman, what type of child will I be? Well, we could say here, you've made a choice to come, to, to worship. And maybe you were dragged here unwillingly, but you're still here. And so praise God that you are. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you are counted among the righteous. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That person who looks to God, who fears God, who honors God, who takes God for his word, and who obeys, that person will prosper. And this imagery is rich. He or she is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. And, and this resonates because it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful mental image, but it also implies something. It implies God is good. He is the source of life and goodness and truth and beauty and proximity to God, feeding on his word, finding nourishment in him leads to this abundant life where you actually bear fruit. 
And, and so again, this is something, a theme we see throughout the Psalms. Psalm 1611 is an example. In your presence, O God, there is fullness of joy at your right hand pleasures forevermore. So the idea being close to God, living a life aligned with his will, going with the grain of the universe, so to speak. And, and this ultimately suggests that we find all the contentment we need when we're most satisfied with God. I want to feel good about myself. I want to feel good about my life. I want to be content. How do I do that? Hold fast to God. Be close to God. Draw close to him. And his will, his law is purposeful. It's not random. It's not the, the angry whims of a sadistic, fun-hating deity. It's, it's, it's for our good. It's for his glory, to be sure, but for our joy. It's the commands of a gracious and loving father whose words lead to, lead to life flourishing, wholeness, abundance. And, and so we think of it this way as we're still kind of thinking about, okay, these two ways, right? Well, we say this, if you're parents, we, we say this to our kids. Obey and it will go well for you. Disobey and it will not go well. And we don't say that as a manipulative ploy. We, we actually mean it when, when we say that. And so we, we say to our kids, I've said to my kids, love God above all things. Use your words carefully. Rest. Honor your parents. Don't kill anybody. Don't be unchaste. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. All of those commands lead to life and flourishing. And we look to the will of our Heavenly Father, who makes his will known to us through his law, the law is good. We read it uh, in, in our service this morning in Psalm 19. It's sweeter than honey. It's perfect. And we're given in Psalm 1 the alternative to look to the ways of the world. And so we were just presented uh, this picture, this mental imagery of a tree. And staying close to God, finding him in him, the source of all goodness, beauty, and truth that leads to abundance. Well, there's another way to go. And there was this old band in the 90s, Radiohead. It's, it, they, they have a song called Fake Plastic Trees. And that's kind of what it's like. You have the, the mental imagery of the, the, the beautiful tree that bears fruit. And then you got something that looks sort of like it, but you get closer. It, doesn't, it can't bear fruit. It's, it's made out of plastic. It's the way of the world, trying to mimic what's good and beautiful and true. And, and that's verse one. Not walking in the counsel of the wicked is blessing, but, but this one who walks in the counsel of the wicked stands in the way of sinners, sits in the seat of scoffers. It's denoting conformity to the ways of the world, not of our creator. And, and so one commentator puts it this way. Walking is like thinking. You hear something, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, it, whether it's, it's antagonistic to God. Uh, I, yeah, I'll follow that way of the world. I, I think about it, and yeah, that sounds good. I'm walking that way. And, and, and then there's stands. And that's being party to worldly ways. Not only have you started to go that direction, but it's like, yeah, I'm going to participate with those who, who are doing it uh, Likewise. And then finally sit, sitting in the seat of scoffers, joining yourself to a worldly identity. Yeah, this is my people. This is what we do. This is who I am. And this too is quite colorful, this imagery in verse 1. What might it look like for us today? 
Well, I think it's, it's maybe asking ourselves some questions. Where, where do I pick up my social and moral cues? What do, where do I find that which is good and beautiful? And I, I say, yeah, that, that's true. Do I find it on television or um, media? Celebrities, Kim Kardashian, is that, is that what I do? And, and think then how this, this works in, in life. So you, you pick up all your, your moral cues from, say, social media and, 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 and television. And then we use like an example. Well, marriage and sexuality, that's an easy target in our day and age. We have a generation today whose views of marriage and sexuality have been formed by Obergfell, TV, like modern family, video games, TikTok, and the like. And in this world, dads are buffoons, moms are out-of-touch manipulators, sex is best and most romantic when practiced outside of marriage, and you have a steady diet of that, hours a week compared to relatively little in God's word. And then we're surprised that pornography is a a billion-dollar-a-year industry? We're surprised that our kids are confused. Social formation happens. And so here it is. We will be a people formed by God's will and ways or not. And this will make a difference in the world. Notice the metaphor used, it's actually a simile, that the tree planted by streams of water, immersed in and shaped by God's word, will withstand the buffeting of the winds, and it will, there will be flourishing, and there will be blessing to others, and animals and birds will find shade and fruit. The world needs people to follow in God's ways. We, we as Christians are called to be countercultural, keep Christianity weird. I've said that before counter to the world's ways that wink at sin, that trivialize virtue, that celebrates licentiousness. Instead, we're to be a people marked by integrity and character, virtue, humility, godliness, marked by love, grace, and right living as determined and defined by God. And in addition to this, making the difference in the quality of our lives and the lives of others, we have to recognize that judgment awaits. There will be judgment for the wicked, eternal condemnation, and judgment for the righteous, God's eternal favor. Note the therefore in verse 5. Our end, humanity's end, is not arbitrary. It stems inexorably out of what has been chosen by us, blessing or curse, two ways. Obedience, disobedience, blessing or curse. We have to remember something here. Flourishing doesn't mean that we don't have problems and that everything we we put our hands to, it goes swimmingly. It simply means that in the midst of all this broken world can throw at us. We can know that my creator is close. He sustains me in life and in death. Uh, This is a PCA church. You follow the Westminster Catechism. Um, There is another wonderful catechism called the Heidelberg. And in question and answer number one, what is our only hope in life and death? 
that we are not our own but belong body and soul, both in life and death to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hope. There's hope. And and, and if you read about areas of a a city or a, a town that has high poverty, crime, violence, you'll find one glaring omission generally in these communities and homes. But it shines all the brighter when you find it. And that's hope. And so we say, in God, there's hope. In the midst of loss, we can be afflicted and perplexed, persecuted, struck down, but not despairing. Despair, which is the absence of hope. We're not despairing. We have hope. Hope that our future is one of glorification and joy in the presence of our creator. All right. So we want to pause right here and do a quick inventory. Perhaps you... If you've been paying attention, you're, you're thinking, you're hearing this, you might be saying, wait a tick. Um, I can't follow the law. I feel a lot more like this man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, who wa- does walk in the counsel of the wicked, who, who actually stands in the way of sinners and who sits in the seat of scoffers. I sometimes don't delight in God's word. Oh, dear. <laughs> of an impossible situation that I find myself in. What do I do? What do I do? Well, Paul, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 1.22 says, Jews demand a sign, right? We're going to live in the world of mystery. Greeks seek, seek wisdom. We're going to live in empirical evidence, rationality. Well, um, there is a third way, and Paul is saying um, throughout his letters that marries the, the two. You got one foot in Proverbs, you got one foot in, in Job. What Mary, uh, a third way that goes right through them is Jesus Christ crucified. All of Scripture points to him, even in the Psalms. And, and so we can say, yeah, I, I too often have walked in the counsel of the wicked. I've stood in the way of sinners, and I, I've sat in the seat of scoffers. That is true. The question becomes, and so what do I do? Where do I go? And friends, that's where the gospel of God's grace is so beautiful. I flee into the arms of Jesus. Jesus who fulfilled all righteousness. Jesus who lived in complete obedience to God's law and his will. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's law. He's the embodiment of God's perfect intentions for humanity. So we flee to him and we cling to him with the arms of faith. And joined to Jesus by faith. God imputes his righteousness to us. That's why the cross is so beautiful for us. Jesus taking our sin, dying for it, and then raised to new life. We in faith hold fast to him and we're seen as holy, righteous, beloved, keepers of the law. So blessed is the man, the woman, the child whose delight is in Jesus the one to whom all the law points and in whom the law is fulfilled. When we're united to Jesus in faith, we're like a tree planted by streams of water and we yield fruit. We can't help but yield fruit to those around us, be a blessing to those around us. That is the abundant life. And that's the way that God's church is called to go in Christ. So Psalm 1 is a psalm that I memorized a long time ago. Um, and I think I memorized it in the 
what some of my smart-alecky Presbyterian friends called the not-inspired version, the NIV, which I actually love the NIV. Um, and they said, well, you got to memorize it in the extra special version, the, the ESV. And um, so I'm still working on that. But I wonder if you might be willing um, this summer to, to memorize Psalm 1 with me and just hold that word in your heart. And um, that might be a, a good challenge application for us. Um, for this week. Um, I think next week we're going to look at Psalm 23, but let's start with Psalm 1. That's a good place to start. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that as helpless as we feel in keeping your law, we know that there is hope because of Jesus because of your grace in him, because of the blood that he shed, because of his victory over sin and death and hell, because he's seated at your right hand, O Father, and intercedes on our behalf. So, Father, we praise you and thank you. Thank you for this good day. Thank you for this time that we have together to worship you, to worship you in song, to worship you in the word, to worship you in um, offering and, and later in the Lord's Supper. All glory to you, O Lord, in Jesus, our King, we pray in his name. Amen.